Hello and welcome to another episode of My Favorite Trees. My name is Thomas and I'm nuts for trees. Got ya! I changed things up this time in order to celebrate my new mini-series focusing on some of the world's most important nut trees. There's quite a few nut trees out there, so in order to save myself from talking about nuts for months, I chose just three to start off with. This week, we are starting off with the largest tree nut crop in the world, the almond. Botanically speaking, almonds are not nuts. They are a different kind of fruit structure, but it's impossible to recognize it as anything but, so I'll cover that strange terminology distinction, as well as where almonds originally came from and how they're produced today. get straight to it. Is an almond a nut or not? Yes and no. The botanical definition for a nut is a dry fruit with a single seed, a hard shell, and a protective husk. Acorns are a fruit that are indisputably referred to as a nut. The almond fruit structure is technically a droop, otherwise known as a stone fruit which starts to make sense when you know that its closest relatives are peaches, and are more distantly related to other stone fruits like cherries and plums. Think of the almond and its shell as the pit of a stone fruit with a weird leathery coating. Why then are almonds known as nuts? Terms like nuts can actually have different definitions depending on the context and setting they are used in. This is an example of a word that has different botanical and culinary definitions. In the world of plants, almonds are the seeds of a stone fruit, but in the world of food, they are nuts. Both can be true. Another example of this is how any vegetable, eggplants for example, that has seeds are botanically fruits but are culinarily vegetables. And I do realize this makes me sound a little hypocritical because I made a huge stink about how juniper berries are cones and not berries but I'm standing my ground and going with almonds being nuts for the sake of this overall theme. So let's get back to those almonds. The almond tree actually has multiple scientific names. Most plants do, and these different names are referred to as synonyms, but most plants also have a single name that is the most widely accepted. The almond has two that are equally used, Prunus dulcis and Prunus amygdalus. Prunus is the plum genus, and is home to the recognizable stone fruits that I mentioned earlier. The name amygdalus is the Latin word for almond. Once upon a time, these plants were considered to be in their own group, and amygdalus was that group's name. If that word sounds at all familiar, it's because there is a part of the human brain known as the amygdala, which is so named because it is shaped like an almond. The other name for it, dulcis, comes from the Latin word meaning sweet. The almonds that we eat are sometimes referred to as sweet almonds, a name that references this food's plant origins. Almonds have been cultivated for thousands of years, and so historians are unsure as to its exact region of origin. The leading theories place its native range around West Asia, somewhere between the Caucasus and Iran or Western China. We call these nuts sweet almonds because the wild plants that grew here were not sweet at all. 
In the wild, almond seeds are incredibly bitter, thanks to the presence of a compound known as prussic acid. Prussic acid is found in most seeds within the plum group and is notorious for containing a cyanide-like compound. This connection is extensively portrayed in classic mystery stories and media as a whole. When cyanide is used to kill someone, it is remarked how the substance smells like bitter almonds. At some point in its natural history, it is thought that a crop of almond plants was grown that carried a mutation. This mutation made it so that the almond seeds were almost entirely devoid of that bitter and toxic prussic acid. Pliny the Elder, the famous Roman philosopher, has claimed that this trait was actually done intentionally by humans, but the truth is difficult to know. Either way, these cyanide-free almonds were now sweet and thus took on the name Sweet Almonds. But let's get back to format here. What do almond trees look like? These plants are not very large. They're originally from drier areas, and after such a long history of cultivation, they typically won't grow more than 10 or 20 feet tall. The leaves are fairly basic as far as leaves go, small and oval-shaped with sawtooth edges. They're very similar to other leaves in that stone fruit group. Almond flowers are very lovely, which makes sense because they are related to cherries, famous for their springtime blooms. Almond flowers actually grow very early, as early as February. Since it's likely the first tree to start flowering, various cultures have nicknamed it the Tree of Awakening. But almond flowers can't self-pollinate, which is surprising because these trees are monoecious, meaning that they have both male and female parts on the same tree. But for whatever reason, the pollen from one tree needs to be carried to another tree in order for fertilization to occur. This makes honeybees essential when it comes to almond propagation. Rather than just have honeybees cared for in the same area as almond groves, though, the state of California instead imports over a million beehives in the spring just for that pollination window. Which kind of tickles me that somewhere out there is some kind of rent-a-bee service. Ultimately, you guys are likely quite familiar with what almonds are. It is the biggest tree nut crop in the world, after all. So let's get into the journey it's been on to become so universally known. The almond is thought to have been first cultivated between 5 and 6,000 years ago. It is considered to be one of the first cultivated trees alongside fruit trees like the pomegranate and apple, as well as other nut trees like the walnut. Although some sources claim that evidence of almonds were found in Greece dating back to 10,000 years ago, which has led to even more confusion over its origins. The earliest civilization that gives us stories about the almond is thought to be the Phrygian Kingdom. Around the 10th century BCE, Phrygia was the dominant society in the region of what is now modern-day Turkey, existing parallel with the ancient Greeks. These are the lands where we get legendary figures like King Midas, whose touch turned everything to gold. Phrygia had their own unique mythology and faith structure, but the culture as we see it today is viewed through the lens of the ancient Greeks, which changes it a bit. Despite the lens, their stories are certainly strange, and seem to revolve around themes of self-mutilation and death. Their early stories of how the almond tree came to be are an example of this, 
but they're a little too graphic for what I usually present on this show. Whenever Phrygian figures are featured in Greek myths, it's usually about them being conquered by the Greeks who look down on them for being so dark and savage. But before Phrygia was taken over by the Persian Empire, some of their culture did mix with the Greeks and thus important symbols like the almond were passed on, like in the tragic love story of Phyllis and Demophon. Demophon was the son of the Greek hero Theseus and is known for fighting in the Trojan War. But on his way home from Troy, he stopped off in the region of Thrace on the border of modern-day Greece and Turkey. There he fell in love with the king's daughter Phyllis. They wanted to be together, but Demophon needed to return to Attica, what would later become Athens, to report to his father, and Phyllis's father wouldn't let her leave with him. Demophon promised to return, and Phyllis promised to wait for him. But something happened on his voyage that delayed his return. Some say he was held up by natural disasters or his father, while others say he simply forgot. Either way, Phyllis grew heartbroken when her lover did not return in a timely manner, and in her grief, killed herself. The gods took pity on her sadness and turned her into an almond tree. When Demophon eventually returned, he found Phyllis as this sad, bitter tree and embraced it. His return caused the tree to bloom beautiful flowers. In some stories, the tree signified forgiveness, while in others, she appeared alive next to the tree and forgave him. It's unspecified just how long Demophon was gone before she took that last resort option, but regardless, it still feels a little dramatic to me. Around the same time that the almond was being revered in Greece and Phrygia, the ancient Egyptians were also producing groves of these trees and connecting them to their spiritual beliefs. It's unknown in what specific way almonds were considered sacred, but evidence of it being so was found in the famous tomb of King Tut. It is widely accepted that the Egyptian pharaohs were only buried with incredibly special items. If food was buried in the tomb, then it wasn't just any food to sustain that king in the afterlife, it was the most kingly of foods. Almonds were one of the most common foods to find in that most famous of crypts. It's not certain whether Rome got almonds from the Egyptians or the Greeks, though Greece is more likely as these seeds were sometimes referred to as Greek nuts. In ancient Rome, the almond was seen as a fertility symbol, with the flowers or the nuts themselves being a part of wedding celebrations, a way of saying, good luck with having kids. This symbolism may come from a couple places, either from how early the flowers bloom, or even from those early Phrygian stories, because their self-mutilation stories had to do with the, um, fertility parts of the body. The almond also sees symbolic significance in faiths that have more reliably persisted in the modern day, especially in the Abrahamic faiths of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. In Judaism and Christianity, the almond is seen as a symbol of hope and renewal. These are known as the first trees to flower in Israel and are what usher in the spring season. Actually, I've always wondered why Tubishvat, the Jewish tree new year that marks the start of spring, is celebrated as early as February. And I think it might be because of the almond flowering as early as February, or even January in certain conditions. Sticking with Tubishvat for a second, this arboreal holiday celebrations revolve around what are known as the seven species of Israel. But the almond isn't one of them. It's likely that these trees were never native to the Levant region where Israel is, and thus is not considered a species of that country. 
This is supported by mentions in the Torah and the Old Testament of the almond needing to be obtained from Egypt. The almond is also seen as a symbol of faith itself. Another Torah or Old Testament story is of how a man named Aaron became the first high priest of God. It was said that his staff suddenly burst forth with almond blossoms and that this was a symbol of his connection to the divine. Related to this, it is thought that the candle stands on the traditional menorah are shaped the way they are to look like almond blossoms. In the other Abrahamic religion, Islam, the almond is seen as a symbol of prosperity. There was an Islamic prophet who lived in the 8th century who was known as being a famous interpreter of dreams. According to his interpretations, dreaming of almonds, or of eating almonds, was thought to indicate the coming of good fortune. But if the dream almond was shelled, then that fortune would only be obtained by overcoming some obstacle. With such widespread religious significance being given to this food, it's no wonder that it was carried throughout the known world. Between the reach of the Roman Empire and the eastern trading route known as the Silk World, these nuts were dragged everywhere. And obviously the religious importance likely stemmed from this, but even without any symbolism, they're still a terrific food source. Now let's fast forward a thousand years to medieval Europe, also known as the Middle Ages, where the almond took on another form. At this time, it was a common Christian doctrine to not consume any animal products on two days of the week, even outside of Lent. Considering the environmental benefits of a meatless diet, I think Christians should bring that back. But with these doctrines in place, Christians needed to find a substitute for animal milk. And that's when the concept of almond milk was introduced. That's right folks, nut milk and plant milk in general is not just a modern fad. It's been around for a thousand years. And back then, there wasn't a debate over whether or not it was quote unquote real milk. The history of our languages indicates that the word milk has long been used to simply describe derived liquids. You get liquid from a cow or goat, that's animal milk. You get liquid from blending and pressing plants, that's plant milk. It's not just vegans trying to pretend, it's how that word has always been used, and thinking otherwise is just falling victim to propaganda. Continuing on, it was Spain that ended up bringing almonds to the New World. And just like any other crop that was imported from warm places like the Mediterranean or the Fertile Crescent, California got super into growing it themselves. And now in the modern day, that state produces 80% of the world's supply of almonds, the most popular nut in the world. Almonds have continued to reign supreme for a number of reasons. For starters, they're super versatile. They can be made into milk, real milk that simply replaces another kind of milk. They can also be ground into flour and fully replace wheat flour. These nuts really are a dream for anyone with a variety of dietary restrictions. Unless you have a tree nut allergy, which isn't the almond's fault. That's just on the human body for not being able to hang. Almonds can also be processed into a concentrated extract to make anything taste like almond. Almond extract is actually made from the bitter almond, just with that prussic acid being cooked out. If you take the bitter tasting almond flavor and dilute it to a few drops for an entire mixture of something, the flavor spreads out and ends up just tasting like normal sweet almond. And of course, almonds are just eaten as they are. They are hugely popular snack foods in the United States. 
Grocery stores here carry almonds in so many forms, from raw to roasted, and are coated with crazy seasonings from simple salt to wasabi or habanero barbecue. The rest of the world is also assuredly familiar with the almond paste candy thing known as marzipan. And almonds are frequently used in a number of sweet baked goods as well as savory dishes like salads and curries. Almonds are also super good for you. They put the nut in nutritional. Hire me, Blue Diamond. Almonds are high in fiber, protein, and the good kind of fat. They also contain a variety of antioxidants and vitamins and are known to lower cholesterol. I can't really be more specific than that, I'm not a doctor or dietitian, but those sound like good benefits to me. Although, there is one drawback to almonds that you might have heard of. The water consumption required to grow them. I heard about this a while ago and decided to stop eating almonds and go for oat milk over almond milk. There's this statistic that 10% of California's water is used just for the almond crop. So, for this episode, I decided to do a little digging. And through checking with multiple sources, trying to find as unbiased data as possible, I learned that I was wrong to be so harsh on this nut. Yeah, California uses a lot of water to produce almonds, but that's just because it requires a lot of water to grow 80% of the world's supply of the most consumed nut. On an individual basis, it doesn't take any more water to produce almonds than it does any other individual nut. I'm still uncertain if it's a good thing that we're growing so much of this crop in such a drought-prone state, but I am rethinking my bias towards the almond itself. What are your thoughts on the almond? Do you think it deserves to be so popular and to hold religious significance? Or is this an overrated nut? Knowing more about its long history, what are your thoughts on plant-based milk? I hope you learned a lot about what is otherwise considered a very common part of our lives. And in two weeks, we'll continue this nutty learning. Move over, Almond, because this next tree seed is considered to be the nut of the gods. On August 23rd, we'll learn about the walnut, a tree that feeds the masses, but kills its plant neighbors. I want to thank all of you for listening to this podcast. If you have the time, leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to help us grow. The music is by Academy Garden. You can find more of their awesome stuff at academygarden.bandcamp.com. My cover art is by at Boomerang Brit on Instagram. My script editor and social media manager is the wonderful Lori Hilburn. Find me on Twitter and Facebook at My Favorite Trees or on Instagram at Tree Podcast. And if you'd like to thank me back, you can do so by donating to your favorite sustainable organization, some of which are listed on my website, mftpodcast.com. Now, go find a tree that you love and give it a hug. <laughs>